Hi, this is Jamie Penwell from the Wright State Guardian. Hi, this is Natalie Cunningham. Hi, this is Maxwell from the Wright State Guardian. Do you have a moment to answer a few questions? Wright State Guardian, Alexa speaking. This is Roxanne Reisner from the Wright State Guardian. This is Shadi from the Guardian. How are you doing today? Hi, this is Claire at the Wright State Guardian. From the newsroom of the Wright State Guardian, this is Radio Report. The views and opinions of Radio Report do not reflect the views and opinions of WWSU Radio, Wright State University, nor their entities. Hey Raiders, welcome back to Raider Report. I am Marissa, the news editor with the Wright State Guardian, and I'm here with Mackenzie Hefferlin. I am the campus reporter. And Natalie Cunningham. I'm the news reporter. Natalie wasn't able to join us last week because she was attending the Board of Trustees meeting, so we're glad to have you. Yeah, last week I went to the Board of Trustees committee day and the public session, and I learned a lot of interesting things. I compiled the biggest takeaways and things students should know into one article. And one of the biggest things that we learned from the Board of Trustees meeting was they've made the decision to sell their private equity investments to the Wright State Foundation. So what does that mean exactly? That is an excellent question. They are going to take this investment and they are going to sell it to the Rice State Foundation if they think that they've already had some discussion and then they're going to use the money that they get from the sale and put it into other investments that they'll discuss at a later date like next month's meeting or the meeting after that. That sounds like something we will have to tune in to hear more about for the next. Mm-hmm. So was there anything else interesting that happened at the committee day? I also learned that there have been search committees seated for a dean of the Boonshoff School of Medicine and a chair director of nursing. So they're searching for people to fill those positions. Oh. I guess we'll see if they find any. I guess we will. Last week, I did a Dayton's Not Dead over Rebel Rebel Tattoo Shop in the historic Oregon district. And fun fact, the Rice State Guardian has not yet done a Dayton's Not Dead feature over a tattoo shop. So that was a cool new thing that we did. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. When you pitched that in the planning meeting, I was like, okay, that is super cool. I need to read that article. I was really excited that everyone else was excited because, I mean, tattoos are really popular, obviously. So I think it was definitely something that people are going to be looking out for, for like shops in the area, because, I mean, you never know who you should go to and who you should stay way away from. I agree. I've been looking around the area tattoo artists because the one I generally go to is an hour away. It's kind of not really convenient. Yeah, that would be great if you were looking for a place to get a tattoo or even if, like, you've never gotten a tattoo before and you didn't know where to go. So that's really cool. I talked to the two owners, Josh Wilson and Robbie Bauer, and they were really cool. They were really open to any ideas people have for tattoos. And we got to talk about, like, super common tattoos and ones that they like to do. And I and I liked that they were open to all sorts of ideas, what were some of their favorites? I asked favorites and the strangest requests that they've had. And I remember Robbie Bauer said that his favorite requests were the strangest. They like to really kind of experiment more because, of course, they do a lot of things that are similar. So when it, whenever they see something that's not quite the same as the usual, that's usually when they get most excited. Yeah, I have to be honest. They would probably not like me as a customer because I'm pretty basic. So I know I was thinking the same thing in the interview. Like I'm gonna cover my little flowers and my my bird. And like <laughs> <laughs> they were super nice about it. But I just I thought that was funny because I'm also the same way. Yeah, yeah. I also have a flower tattoo, so I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any tattoos, Kenzie? No, I really want to get one. My parents probably wouldn't be like the biggest on it, but what are they gonna do? 
<laughs> when I got my first tattoo, my mom was all for it. And then I actually got it and she was like, oh, well, that was a dumb idea. So I was like, well, <laughs> I, it already happened. So thanks for letting me know now. Yeah. My parents uh, said they they weren't the biggest fans, but if I paid for it myself, I'm an adult and can make my own decision. And I said, thank you for common courtesy. <laughs> How many You're do you like, have? Just one right now, but I have plans for four more in honor of my grandparents oh. soon. So I don't know. That's kind of basic and cutesy, but I like my grandparents. Yeah, I think <laughs> people are going to want what they're going to want and others shouldn't judge. Exactly. I agree. I think my next tattoo I want to get for my dog that just passed away. So I'm definitely going to have some paw prints somewhere. Oh, yeah. What was your dog's name? <laughs> His name was Puka. Oh, so sweet. All right. <laughs> We're going to move on to some sports now. I'm going to bring you some sports stuff this week. So recently, the men's basketball team for Wright State received votes in the AP Top 25 poll. And this is a poll that the Associated Press does every single week during the season. And this is the first time that Wright State has ever received any votes. Now, don't get me wrong. The fact that we received votes is amazing. And it's the first time ever. So this is the same exact poll that UD is ranked number four. They are currently ranked number four now after their wins this past weekend. But even though Wright State isn't ranked up top, This is really good, especially for the smaller league that they're in. And it's the first time ever that they've actually received votes. And they actually received votes two straight weeks in a row. So it's a big deal. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. And the Raiders are currently sitting at 24-6 and 14-3 in the Horizon League. So they've had a really good season on top of them. And honestly, kind of a record-breaking season, in my opinion. That's really great. It's national. How do they get nominated? So from my understanding, different sports broadcasters or sports writers, if they're a member of the Associated Press, then they are able to vote on it. And new voters are chosen each year and from different places. Oh, so that really is kind of a big deal. Yeah. So Baylor University is at the number one spot. And then when I wrote the article, Dayton was at number five and now they're at number four. So that's pretty cool as well. Ooh, moving on up. I also wrote about summer classes at Wright State. I talked to Amy Chen, who is an academic advisor. I also worked with Raider Connect to confirm information about the financial aspect of summer courses. And I spoke with Michael Grease, Director of Student Enrollment Services, to learn as much as I could about the summer semester. I learned that the schedule for summer courses went up on January 21st, so you can look and see A term, B term, C term, and the different courses that are offered. I also learned that summer semester registration opened up to all students on February 22nd. So if you're planning to take summer courses, I would start scheduling that as soon as you can before they fill up. The summer semester starts May 11th, and all the fees are due by April 15th. Have you guys ever taken summer classes? I have not, but I might this year if I can afford it. (laughs) I have taken summer classes the past two summers because... I don't know about you guys, but I've been in college for way too long. So I'm trying to speed the process (laughs) along a little bit. And I will be taking three or four classes this summer. So kind of terrified. Yeah. Do you like it? I do. I mean, it's a little intense, but they go fast. You get a lot closer with the group that you're with because you're all kind of suffering together. Like even the instructors (laughs) that I've had are like, I know that this kind of sucks because it's happening on such a quick amount of time, but I'm going to power through it. And then you're going to have all these credits at the end. So it... I really do like them. 
healthy, in my opinion. Like, summer is my break. I don't want to be at school during the summer. The closest I'm going to get is studying abroad this summer. So I'm going to study abroad in Costa Rica, and that's... But still, the course is going to be on my fall credit. That's really cool, though. You get to go to Costa Rica? Yeah, so the program is led by Professor Bobby Rubin, and there's only three people signed up right now, so... Y'all should go sign up. It's going to be really fun. And it's like two weeks long. And with scholarships, you could probably get it under $1,000. So sign up. What is the course that you're taking with it? So it's titled like the Science of Art and Literature. I think it's going to be like reflective journaling somewhere around there. I mean, maybe really possibly an English credit. I want to know. Yeah, yeah guys, I'll see if sign I can uh, do that. I don't know if I'll have $1,000, but maybe we'll see. <laughs> I was going to ask if the summer courses you took were online or in person. I took my first level of ASL in person last summer. And then I think the other classes I had were online. So I like doing a mix of both. The ASL courses are C term, so they're longer, which is a little less stressful, especially if you're taking a language course. So that was good. But the online courses, you definitely have to have a lot of discipline, but they are manageable as long as you don't pile on too many like I'm trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to see if I can take some. I need to really... Get on top of that and start registering if I'm going to. Yeah, I registered for mine at like 7 a.m. on the day that I could, even though summer's a lot less intense than like fall and spring when everyone does that. I'm still I'm so in the habit of like, OK, I need to do this right now. So mm-hmm. I'm an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> well, now that we've been talking about summer in beautiful Costa Rica, I'm going to bring it back down and talk about my article that is about Wright State's plan for bad weather. I talked to our interim provost, Dr. Lehman, and the interim dean at the Lake Campus, Dr. Crane, and I kind of got both ends of the spectrum of what we do here on the Dayton campus for closures and what they do at the Lake Campus for closures because our weather actually is pretty different. I was definitely really interested in this article because every single time the weather is bad and the roads are bad and I'm a commuter, so I have like a 25-minute drive which could easily turn into 45 minutes if the mm-hmm. roads are bad. Like, man, who decides whether we get to come in or not? Yeah, a lot of stuff goes into it. So it's definitely, I have a new appreciation for our administration when it comes to that because it's definitely not an easy decision to make. And I know we've all been there where we get a right state alert, text message, an email, and phone call, and we're all excited. And then it says the Lake Campus is closed and not us. Yeah, we've been there. <laughs> That's honestly so rough because you get so excited and you're like, I still have to go into school today. Love that. Yep. All you late campus people. I know you have lots of snow and sketchy weather, but sometimes we wish we were you. I walked to campus. So actually this morning with all of the slush from the, oh, the yeah. melting snow was not not a fun walk when I'm running late to class <laughs> because I almost fell several different times. It was... It was an adventure. Yeah, that was something that they talked about, too. Dr. Lehman said that the Lake Campus has more commuter students than the Dayton campus. So that also comes into play when making the decision. They're kind of thinking more about the commuters. But that is rough when you are a student that lives on campus and you are walking. (laughs) But also the Dayton campus has a lot of commuters, too. Like, I know the ratio is smaller than Lake Campus, but we have a lot of commuters. But maybe that's just me speaking as commuter perspective. I just really don't want to come to school. 
Yeah, I I definitely understand that. But since it's just a smaller campus in general, like like you said, I think it's just the ratio. And both of them agreed that even if classes aren't canceled, you should definitely take it at your own discretion. If you don't feel safe driving on the roads, then definitely stay off of them. Things might fall behind, but really your safety is more important than anything else. Yeah, and I read your article, and I think one of the things that really stuck out to me was, I forget who mentioned it, but they said something about how some classes only meet like once a week or Mm -hmm. some people only have like a lab on one day it's like when you miss a whole week it's really hard to make that up yeah which I understand but at the same time it's like what are the costs and benefits right yeah Dr. Lehman had a really good point he said that no matter no matter if the campus is closed or not there are still always things going on here there are things that can't just stop whenever the weather decides that it's going to be gross and everyone needs to stay home what people are allowed on campus and what are they doing? So a big number of the people that are allowed on campus are the essential employees, which that was one of my questions was asking them who are the essential employees. And they dif- they actually differed from each other a little bit. A lot of it is, are like the grounds people that are clearing away all the snow and everything. And then there's also Dr. Lehman pointed out that some faculty have animals in their care in their departments. So obviously you can't just neglect the animals even if it's for a day they have to be taken care of still that's really interesting yeah that totally makes sense yeah that wasn't even something I would even consider so I think it was really good to be able to get these sort of answers to the questions that I know a lot of people have so we're gonna switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about SGA elections currently petitions are in the process and candidates can't campaign but they are allowed to announce that they are going to campaign so Two students that actually announced that they are planning on campaigning, Baxter and Jones. So Samantha Baxter is running for the student body president and Jacob Jones is running for vice president. They announced their joint campaign and they're going to run together on the same platform. They were both the first to announce their plan to campaign and in my article I kind of gave a summary of each candidate so you can kind of go and see like what they're running on and they also have an Instagram page their Instagram page is called Baxter Jones for WSU and they continually post on there and they were the first two candidates that actually got their names out there so that was pretty cool if you're interested in the election timeline once petitions are complete the ones that get enough signatures the signature will take place between March 9th to 14th and then campaigning Then the public will also be able to see the candidates debate on March 12th and elections will be from March 14th at noon until March 19th at 5 p.m. This is important. You can place your vote on Wings Express. So if you want to vote for your next student body president and other elected officials, you can get on Wings and vote sitting in your living room from March 14th at noon until March 19th at 5 p.m. Do we know if anyone else has announced they're running for president? As of right now, I am not aware of anyone else, but there's still time for people to jump up. That's very interesting. So candidates have until February 28th. And then once petitions are complete and people gain enough from March 9th to 14th to gain enough signatures. So what happens if no one else announces running for president and vice presidents of SGA? So in that case. And I could check on this farther, but I believe that they will be the only ones on the ballot to vote for. Mm. So, I mean, that would be a pretty easy running in their case. But, um, yeah, there's still time for other people to jump up and say that they want to run. So I guess we'll find out if 
Baxter and Jones are going to be running unopposed or not. Thank you, Raiders, for tuning in to another episode of Raider Report. And remember to read The Right State Guardian.